Hello, hello. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word. It is Old Testament Thursday. It is episode 37. And the date, the date you're hearing this is May 11th. We are so glad you're here. We can, uh, you know what I missed last Thursday? I missed talking about, because I pre-recorded it and it slipped my mind. I had, I have Wookiee sounds and it was uh, May the 4th. So uh, we're just so glad that you are joining us here from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex for Wake Up to the Word. I got, um, we are over 900 plays on our way to a thousand. I am so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep sharing it, and uh, I hope you're enjoying it. We love your input, so if you ever want to just throw some input in there, then you can uh, do it off of Spotify, and uh, we're just so glad you're joining us. We're gaining some traction. We're being heard in four countries, and here's the cool thing. People keep sending me gifts. I got another one. I got another one. This one's very cool. Here, I'm going to show it to you. So if you don't have, if you just listen to it, you're not going to see this, but I'll describe it to you. There's words on this mug. It says Jeff's stack of stuff. And the picture is the picture off of my website of the bald guy with the stack of papers in front of him. I love this mug. (laughs) This is awesome. So now I have my display, my display over here where I have my first gift I got from uh, from Bob and Cindy. And that one's right in the front here. Then I have, then I have my standard wake up. That sounded like something broke. Sound, it didn't. My standard wake up to the word mug with the regular wake up to the word logo on it. Did it again. And then I have my travel mug, which you'll see me have in hand uh, wherever I go. I put that on display here. And then... We have the swag mug that you can order for yourself at the website, wakeuptotheword.org. You can order this very old mug for yourself with the nice, beautiful blue inside. You can order that. All the details are on the website for you. But this morning, I'm drinking from Jeff's stack of stuff. Thank you, Jessica, for the very generous gift. I love it. Stacy even giggled at it. So there you go. Very funny. Our reading this week uh, in the Old Testament for May 11th, uh, 8 through the 11th is Leviticus 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. We got some interesting stuff to share with you. So let's get right into the word. Here we go. 15 starts right off with a lovely description of the laws about bodily discharges. If that doesn't bless your heart, I do not know what will. I don't even know what kind of sound effect to put there. Well, I'll do the, uh, I'll do the, uh, I'll give us the toilet (laughs) for the bodily discharge. I don't even know what to say about it, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we want to laugh at that one. So, um, But we have um, 
And, and here's here's the thing. <clears throat> you can read through 15, and it gives you all these things about discharges for, for women, for men, for traveling, for being in the camp, being out of the camp. Uh, uh, feel free to read amongst yourselves. But um, here's the real reason. Go all the way down to 1531. It says, Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle, this that is in their midst. That is in their midst, excuse me. Drink a cup of coffee. My coffee for the week, I'm still doing the Green Mountain Breakfast Blend, so I still have some left, so we'll swap coffees next week. Uh, so that's my coffee of the week. But this helps us to understand what's going on, why all these laws, why all the details, why all this stuff with, you know, the disgusting things that are going on. Um, disgusting. And, and um, <clears throat> but here's the truth. You've heard... Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, back here, cleanliness was next to nowhere. So it, it they, 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 in general, were nomadic. They moved around. So the cleanliness and the water was uh, not as prominent. You didn't, they didn't have as much water. So um, they, they were passive in their cleanliness. But God understands the importance of hygiene. And so a lot of these laws, both dietary and bodily function laws, are created to sustain and maintain the people of Israel as a nation. So we can look at it and say, oh my gosh, this is a lot of detail. Um, but the truth of the matter is, it, it, it's out of preservation and it's showing us a very important uh, life principle that we all should have good hygiene in in what we do this sustains our life and in doing that our opportunities to uh, worship God to praise him and to and to share his love and advance the kingdom of God so <clears throat> we can take these Old Testament principles these Old Testament laws and not look at them as legalistically, as as they needed to then, but as principles for our everyday life. So uh, get in there and, and take that shower and uh, get yourself cleaned up. And uh, right. So I don't think I have any, any, any good, uh, any good sounds for that. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I should have looked ahead of time, but I don't see any. Um, that was a good sound. So that was that's a kind of a, a, a bodily function thing going <laughs> thing going on there. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so the, yeah. Okay, we're done. We're done with that. Um, very good. So we get to some uh, very interesting part. Day of Atonement, chapter sixteen, <clears throat> which is um, I'm going to read some of this. So let me get my spectacles. Make a spectacle of myself. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, so this is right, remember we talked about that, that they probably went entered into where they weren't supposed to enter into, and then the uh, Lord speaks to Moses and, and says this, <clears throat> Tell Aaron your brother 
not to come in at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. So that that really solidifies what the sons did. They went to a place where they weren't supposed to go. They entered in beyond the veil. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd from a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen and the undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the the linen sash around his waist, wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on, and he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats. If you don't know what casting lots are, it's uh, done with uh, either <coughs> the the if the the um the the thermin thermin and newman <laughs> i forget the names of them already um the newman and the thermin uh thermum the newman and the thermum right is that what they were i don't know we'll have to look it up but that's it uh they either cast lots that way which tells you which one is which <clears throat> or uh, they do it with you know short straw type of thing, but they cast lots, and because this lets God do the choosing, so they cast lots over the two goats. This is verse eight: one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for Azazel. Azazel, and you're saying what is that? <clears throat> I'm going to keep reading, and then we're going to explain. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord. For Yahweh, remember, we're using a proper name here, for Yahweh, and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, and that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Okay? So, this one is sent away into the wilderness. Let me explain this. In Hebrew, we have what we know is uh, Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for, it says the Lord, but it's all caps, so we know one lot for Yahweh and the other lot for Azazel. So in Hebrew, these are two proper names, all right? Oh my goodness. And, And he shall present the goat on which the lot fell to the Lord and use it as the sin offering. So this is the goat that they that they take in and they put a uh, sprinkle with the sin offering. And the goat which fell a lot of Azazel, which is a which is also a a proper name, a noun name, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness of Azazel. So <clears throat> 
What is this doing? Uh, I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you a definition. Uh, I already talked about Azazel being a proper name, but it actually means uh, goat that goes away. The goat that goes away. We get the term scapegoat from this uh, uh, atonement ritual. Day of atonement ritual. So the, the sins are placed onto the goat, the scapegoat, and it's sent out into the wilderness to Azazel. And these seem to be in, in um, contention with each other. And I did uh, some research, and that's going to be uh, a link in Jeff's stack of stuff. Jeff's stack of stuff. There you go. We'll have to do the reverb every time we say stack of stuff. That'll give it more, more vibrancy. So we do some research on Az Azazel and uh, that you have a link in the stack of stuff. Um, this is all described here. But I got a few notes that I made. Where did I put my glasses? Here, there. <clears throat> who is who and who was his Azel? The Hebrew Azel occurs four times in Leviticus 16, but nowhere else in the Bible. Many translators prefer to translate the term the goat that got away, just like I told you. And we get the term scapegoat, says it right there. <clears> Other <throat> the translations treat the word as a name, as Azel. And I said in Hebrew it is a form of a name. Um Zazel occurs parallel to Yahweh, just like I said. The wording suggests that the two divine figures are being contrasted by the two goats, okay? Two other considerations argue for a favor for Azazel being divine being. <clears throat> the first Jewish texts of the intertestament period show Azazel was understood as a demonic figure. Um, I, in, in the article, it gives you those documents. Uh, the association of the wilderness with evil is evident in the New Testament, is where Jesus met the devil in Matthew 4, 1. Uh, second, Leviticus 17, 7, we learn that some Israelites have been accustomed to sacrificing offerings to goat demons. They're very interesting. And the Day of Atonement replaces this illegitimate practice. So they've been doing something similar to this, but it was a <clears throat> pagan ritual and it seems like god is redeeming this and replacing this with a divine holy ritual and what's the symbolism of it um it's important to note that this goat was not a sacrifice it was not sent into the wilderness as an act of sacrifice to the foreign god or demon Azazel. Rather, the act of sending the live goat out into the wilderness, the sending it to the unholy ground, was to send the sin of the people where they belonged, into the demonic domain, domain the, the, the rebelling spirits, the rebelling Elohim, by contrasting purified access to the true god of the first goat with the goat sent to the domain of the demons, the entity of the true God in his mercy and holiness was visually reinforced. So there's some great stuff here. <clears throat> and there's more in there, but it really shows us something that's going on that I've talked about. 
Um, uh, Dr. Heiser, uh, Michael Heiser calls it cosmic geography. I kind of call it spiritual geography, that there's dominions, spiritual dominions here on the earth <coughs> that, that happened, that took place during uh, when Babel took place. And um, you look at uh, Deuteronomy 32, when the nations were divided, According to the sons of God, so um, these these um, yeah, there's some Dead Sea Scroll information too that I want to share with you about Azazel. Uh, the the uh, point of importance is that Azazel is the name of a demon in the Dead Sea Scrolls and other ancient Jewish books. In fact, one scroll, four Q, um, <clears throat> and that's all in this uh, document I linked. Azazel is the leader of the angels that sinned in Genesis. 6, 1 through 4. That is very interesting. And also described again in First Enoch, uh, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. Um, uh, goes on for, for many, but um, uh, it recalls a lot of these same things. That that this Azazel is, is uh, uh, the Genesis 6 rebellion against God that went to the daughters of men. And so... This is an important distinction. Uh, it's it, he's if he's the leader of the offending sons of God that went to the daughters of men, um, potentially in the in the pit now. Um, that's talked about in uh, in Second Peter. <clears throat> but as we go, that keep that in mind and uh, check out that document and Jeff's stack of stuff and. Um, Keep that in mind as we keep going, because that has some real significance to it. <clears throat> so then, this this goat goes out into the wilderness, and uh, then we go to uh, verse 15. It says, uh, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull. Sprinkle it over the mercy seat, and in every... Uh, in front of the mercy seat. So um, it goes on, uh, uh, 21, it says, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, now this is the process of sending it out, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all the transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of, of a man who is who is in readiness the goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free into the wilderness <clears throat> then it talks about the guy who's got to bring the goat to that place and he who lets the goat go to azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterwards he may come back into the camp so there's a whole repurification process for this guy who has to bring the goat <clears throat> and one of the things we, we have to understand is this uh, this area, this wilderness area, is very close. It's not too far away from where they are. That's significant <clears throat> as we come up on the next chapters, okay? Uh, the place of sacrifice in uh, 17 and... Uh, and it talks about the laws against eating blood. And, and we've talked about this before, this blood connection. <clears throat> if you look at um, uh, 17, 
chapter 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for the souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Um, And then 14, it says, For the life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. This is a great verse that we can show people that says that the life is in the blood. So uh, I I know I talk about this um, before. I've talked about it again, uh, and I'm not going to stop talking about it. The life of every creature is in the blood. An, An unborn baby has a heartbeat and blood circulation 22 days after conception, you can discover the heartbeat and the blood flowing through the, 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 the baby's body. And it is a unique blood type to, from the mother. So very early on, within the first month, within the first weeks, three weeks, two to three weeks, there is the life's blood of the child. <clears throat> That's as early as we can detect it, 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 I believe it's there earlier, but it's detectable at this point. And so that's something that we just need to express and explain. The Bible's way ahead of us scientifically when it comes to this, understanding that the life is in the blood and, and the baby is a life um, from the very point of its conception, from very early stages at the very least, <clears throat> and I'm not trying to give wiggle room. I'm trying to point out because some people don't want to look at scripture. They don't they only want to look at science. This is science catching up with the Bible. And so when we understand that, we have ammunition to talk with people about uh this issue that every life we believe as believers is <clears throat> an imager of God. Uh, we are created in the image of God. We, we have a special uniqueness to us as people. Uh, unborn children all the way to uh, senior citizens. We are created in the image of God. We should be cared for. If, if people understood this, uh, this abortion issue would go away. If all people understood this, the abortion issue would go away. If people understood this, murder would cease, unless, obviously, uh, people with reprobate minds. Uh, and but people who get to know this, this is a fundamental understanding of people of faith. We should get, people of faith should get that we are created in the image of God and we should not be taking the life of, we should not be taking innocent lives and we should not be destroying the seed of kingdom potential, godly kingdom potential. And uh, believers, I struggle to understand, not to love, I struggle to understand believers who are pro-abortion. They say it's pro-choice, I say it's pro-abortion. They're pro-abortion, they're for it. Even if they're not for it, they're not against it, and that's a struggle for me. Still love them. And I think some of the distinction is because we tend to put a stigma 
on the women who are in these difficult situations where they're caught between a rock and a hard place and they, they have no decisions to make. And this is where the faith community needs to step forward and, and lend a helping hand. That's why Life Coast Church has a partnership with Alpha Alpha Women's Center right here in Flagler County. And I and I encourage you that if, if uh, you have opportunity, if you have um, uh, expendable uh, finances, look into that. Or you can give through Life Coast to that because we, we support them in many different ways. <clears throat> Great. All right, let's move on because it, it gets spicier. It's spicier times. Let's see, where are we on this? So, okay, well, we, we'll we're doing good. Um, unlawful sexual relations. And this is distinct as we come into this portion, this 18, uh, as we head, head into the home stretch for what we're going to look at uh, for uh, Old Testament Thursday. Um, we, we come around the bend of 18. It talks about the sexual um, um, relationships and what God do- likes and does not like. And there's lots of things that are mentioned here about relationships with uh, with different people, different ways. That's not your wife and they uh, or your husband. And, and they talk about that uh, this is unlawful sexual relationships. And this is consistent and carries from both Old to New Testament. <clears throat> Here it's listed as a law, a, a legality. In the New Testament, it is a glorifying God process, that a principle that we have to understand. It's how we're created and how God wants us to honor him with our body. So, uh, But it continues on. Then we get to this, another mention of uh, something that uh, is confusing and uh, we might struggle with. So I'm going to start off here at... Uh, I'll start at 19 because it, it, has a, it, it's a, it has a connectivity. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanliness. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife or make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children. Now, this is the same category. You shall not give any of your your children to offer them to Molech. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, he says. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. You shall not lie with an animal. And so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall a woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. And this, <clears throat> all these details go on, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit more about the name that came up, Malek. And uh, it, it, uh, it comes up again in 20. So this was, uh, that was uh, 18. 19 talks about uh, the Lord is holy, and it talks, then it goes into loving your neighbor, and it talks about keeping statutes, and then we go back again in 20, back to hitting this Malek thing, and and so I, 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 I'm going to talk about 18 in a minute, because I'm going to make some connectivity, but I'm going to go to 20 first, and I hope I'm not confusing you. I know I'm going a little fast, um, but I'm... I'm uh, this is this is good stuff. Um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is 20. Say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel, of the strangers of sojourner in Israel, to give any of his children to Malek shall surely be put to death. 
goes on to say, I myself will send my face against that man and will cut him off from among the people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sacrifice, excuse me, to make my sanctuary unclean, to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do all close their eyes to, to that man, when he gives one of his children to Melech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut, cut them off from among their people and all who follow him in whoring after Melech. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. And here's an instruction. Consecrate yourself, therefore, be holy, for I am Yahweh, your God. All right, this, this is a lot of stuff going on here. <clears throat> uh, this Malek, the word Malek translates as king, and we have, again, in Jeff's stack of stuff, we have Malek. I have a doc that you can go to about Malek, and I have something else that I'm going to read from this book here. But uh, there's some real interesting stuff about Malek, which I'm going to, I'm only going to read a little bit of this off the doc that you're going to get. I go, I encourage you to go in and, and hook up to the link. Uh, it's, it's, it's there in Jeff's stack of stuff. So, um, uh, but um, the this is the interesting part. Canaanites lived in the region that comprised modern-day Israel and Palestine and some of the surrounding territories called the Levant, the land of Canaan inhabited by the Canaanites prior to the arrival of the Israelites. <clears throat> and, and they were promised the land, which we all are aware of, I hope. Um, Malek, Malak, Malek, along with other pagan deities, is condemned by God of the Bible. You shall not uh, copy the practices of the land of Egypt where you dwelled. So this is 18 that we talked about. Um, <clears throat> you shall not follow those. So similarly, early in Exodus, uh, God commanded that Israel must tear down their altars, smash their pillars, cut down their sacred posts, for you must not worship any other god. So this Malak... Is, is really connected to some of these ancient gods, these other gods um, that we've heard about, uh, Baal and, uh, and some of the other ones. Omelech, uh, as Baal, one of the Canaanite gods, references explicit Hebrew Bible is uh, as Baal, a fertility god. The name Baal translates to Lord, and Melech can be translated to king. So... Um, one of the other ones uh, says, uh, Malek was the name of a kind of ritual sacrifice, uh, more than a specific deity that demanded. So these are some of the um, some of the uh, hypothesis or some of the conclusions. I have a nice one I want to read here from uh, uh, Dr. Heiser's book. He's done a lot of good research on this, and this is Unseen Realm, and uh, page two hundred and thirty. And I'm going to read uh, just I'm read you a paragraph. Uh, it says, uh, the meaning and identity of Malek, <clears throat> it's the Hebrew consonants ML and K, is hotly debated by scholars. It is hard to see one clear association. 
That's why I gave you the doc. You can read through all of the uh, possibilities yourself in the in Jeff's stack of stuff. So um, it's hard to see one clear association. However, as uh, it's hard to, uh, as coincidental, um, Malek's name appears in two snake charms from the uh, from Ugarit. Uh, in the connection with the city of Ashtoreth, uh, the place known from biblical accounts about Og. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 1, 9, and 12. Another Ugaritic text puts the god uh, Rapu, the patron deity of the Rephaim. And the Rephaim is another word for the Nephilim. So it's another uh, um, form of that. Um, in Ashtaroth as well, these texts, at the very least, inform us that there was a close religious association with Malek and the Rephaim. Uh, this makes sense in light of the geographical relationship between the Valley of the Rephaim and the Valley of Hinnom in the Old Testament. What's particularly fascinating, or disturbing, is that the location of these valleys is directly adjacent to the southern side of Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the place of Yahweh's presence in the temple. Now, I'm going to go all the way back to the Day of Atonement and the scapegoat. Uh, Azazel is out in, the, out in the wilderness, the place of sin, the place of that demonic dwelling, the leader of the pack of the of the rebelling sons of God and this Molech who's taking children and killing them, uh, taking them as sacrifice, and they're all connected to these sexual sins that are going on, which gets us all the way back to the sons of God taking the daughters of men and having children with them, which created these Nephilim and the Rephaim, and now these things are all connected and it's all happening right there, right near Yahweh's land. And that's why there's this battle going on. And that's why there's this animosity happening that uh, they're sending the scapegoat out. They're sending the sin of God's chosen people. He's chosen for himself a new nation and a new people. And he's sending the sin out to those rebelling uh, sons of God who are leading these people in these sexual sins and these murderous sins of children because that's what they do. They are against the seed of godly potential. They want to kill off God's kingdom advancing as early as possible. You see it right away with Moses and the two-year-olds getting killed, and then with Jesus comes, the children all being killed. This is not a coincidence. This is what they do. They knew that God was going to come through the woman, the seed of the woman, and that's the seed that they want to kill. This is what they do. They pervert God's beautiful holiness within the marriage relationship and try and skew it out into something that's unholy. They turn it into sin and rebellion against God. Malek stands for king. Rephaim stands for lord. So 
they have these two things going on and that it's making this perversion the Lord. And so we have this whoring after, and this is a lustful worship. That's what the whoring is. And they say, don't go after these fortune tellers or these people who summon the dead, because this is chasing after what God has rejected. This is chasing after what, what God has laid aside, and he's calling for us to walk set apart, consecrated to him, set apart for his holiness, for his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. That's all I got for today. So that was a whirlwind tour. We're so glad you're with us here on Wake Up to the Word, Old Testament Thursday. Come back tomorrow for New Testament Friday. And thank you again, Jessica, for my Jeff's Stack of Stuff mug. We will see you all manana.